Welcome to the Path of a Swami podcast. My name is uh, Swami Chidananda and this would be episode three. And today I'm going to speak a little bit about when I made that decision to become a monk. So I had met my guru and I had come to the ashram and I was experiencing some trials and tribulations with some of the duties I was given which challenged my ego and perception of how I could add value to the ashram. <laughs> and so there's a lot of challenges that I had dealt with, which I had spoken about in a, the previous podcast. And as I was going through these challenges, there, there started to come a clarity where I said, you know what, maybe the life of a monk is something that suits me. So it's very important to understand and I think this is a misconception that many people have, is that they perceive that to be spiritual, to attain enlightenment, you need to become a monk. But of course, that's not the case at all. And we see that very clearly in the Bhagavad Gita, where Krishna says to Arjuna, your duty, your dharma is not to run away. It's not to go into a cave and meditate. It's to pick up your bow and fight. Because your dharma is to be a warrior. It's not to be a monk. And through your dharma, you will attain realization. You will attain enlightenment. So here we see that it's not about one way or another. Because you can be a monk and in your meditations you can be thinking about women or men or pizza or Lamborghinis and what have you really renounced? Nothing, right? Because you can give up the things of the world, but you've not renounced your desires in your mind. Then you are just as much caught up in the world as anybody else. So true spirituality is internal renunciation. That being said, sometimes people choose the path of a monk because it resonates more with them, right? We all have certain qualities and attributes. I might like chocolate ice cream. You might like strawberry ice cream. Somebody might not like ice cream at all. In the same way, some might be gravitated towards having a life of um, husband or a wife and children to do their duty in the world. This is called grihasta. And it's a very beautiful life. And many, many great saints were grihasas, were householders. For example, Ramakrishna um, and Namdev and Tukaram, great saints that had families, that had children, but were always chanting the name of the divine. Then there are those that choose to follow the path of sannyasi or monk. So for example, you have great saints like Adi Shankaracharya, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu later on in his life, and so forth. And so I was reflecting on this, and I really started to feel that my path, my way is to be a monk. And of course, to understand that and to live it are two separate things, right? I knew I wanted to be a monk, but I also acknowledged there are a lot of trials and tribulations associated with it. It was never something that my guru pushed me to. He would always say, both ways will take you to God. You have to choose the way that is best for you. Right? We never force anybody to be a monk. 
That is not the way. It's either you feel it or you don't. And if you don't, the other path is beautiful. The other path has trials and tribulations. And the path of the monk has trials and tribulations. Right? We can't escape that. And this is the problem. Many people want to escape reality and become a monk. And they say, oh, you know, I'm living in an ashram. Everything's taken care of for me. I don't have to work. I don't have responsibilities. If you go with that mindset into an ashram, you will not last. If you're sincere, if, you're, if there isn't a sincerity, you won't be able to make it. Something or another will force you out. So people should not become a monk because the world is too difficult. People should become a monk because they truly feel it inside. Right? And so a lot of the times I was very lucky in the sense that I was successful materially. I knew if I wanted to be in the world, I could. It was not something I was running away from or hiding from or was nervous about. It's just that this path of a monk is something that really felt very connected and something I really wanted to do. And, but, you know, obviously when you're young, you always make interesting choices. So, and there's always tests. And as I was thinking about being a monk, at the same time, I started to like one of the women that would come and visit the ashram. Because the ashram is set up in a way where there's a hundred or so monks and nuns that live there. But also there are those from around the world that come and stay for maybe one month, two months, three months, maybe for a weekend to see uh, Guruji, to take darshan or partake in an event. So there was a lady that was coming and we would talk. And at the time, obviously, I wasn't a monk and, and we would get to know each other. And somehow we started to get close. So it was really like a decision, a moment where, okay, I either choose to be with this person or, or I choose the life of a monk. Maybe it wasn't so black and white, but in my head, I made it to be black and white. And so she had came, we had had a good time. I didn't really express to her that I wanted to become a monk. She had left. And then by the time she came back, I was a monk. So in this moment, I, um, as a monk, we take certain vows. So we take the vow of celibacy, not getting married, not having material possession, and making our life a service to God. So when this person came back, I hadn't told her. And she came to me and she's like, she had some chocolate. And she was like, oh, here's some chocolate that I brought you. So I took the chocolate and said, I'm a monk now. I don't want your chocolate. I don't want to speak to you. Don't ever speak to me again. And I walked away. And that was one of the worst things that I could have done. Because it was a place of spiritual pride. And this is something that we have to be very, very aware of. As we grow spiritually, there's also a pride that sets in. Where we think, oh, we are so great. I'm a monk now. Why should I talk to women? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? And we think ourselves to be better than somebody else. Right? But in reality, that's not true. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, everybody is the Atma, which is eternal. Nobody's better than the other. One should see a priest, a cow, a dog, and a dog eater to be the very same. So here, of course, I had to honor my vows. And of course, at this point, 
early on when you first take initiation you should not talk to the um, sex that you feel attracted towards you should have some distance you should remain in solitude you should first center yourself right so all of these things are there but i could have expressed that in a better way i could have been nice i could have been kind and i wasn't i was rude and there's a lot of pride and over time life has a way of breaking that pride and humbling us and so over time, I realized, ah, what does it mean to be a monk? It, it means firstly to be kind. It means to constantly try and strive for humility and not to go into that spiritual pride thinking somebody is better or worse. Some of the greatest saints were not monks. And some of the people that created the most karmic entanglement for themselves were monks who inside of their mind held on to all of these limitations and arrogance and pride so funny five years later I finally spoke with her and I said you know I'm so sorry for that moment I should have handled that better and it's so sweet she just said yeah it's okay don't worry I, I forgive you and we were able to move on from that but I just wanted to share that story with you firstly to remind all the listeners that to be on the spiritual path it does not mean you have to be a monk Right? You can be in the world, you can be a householder, you can do your spiritual practices, and through that you can attain God. Or you can be a monk. But to be a monk does not mean that you should be prideful, that you should have these ideas that I am better than somebody else. Right? There should be that humility. And through that you can really make true spiritual progress. And that humility, it comes in two ways. One is grace, <laughs> where you do your practices and you start to realize these greater understandings. And the other is suffering. And the guru use, utilizes both. Sometimes the teacher will tell us these things, be humble, don't be prideful, but we don't listen. So the teacher says, okay, if you don't want to listen to me, I'm just going to create a situation for you, which you will learn from which will humble you. And in that way, personally, over the years, I'm more of a suffering type of learner. Unfortunately, I wasn't so good at listening to my guru um, the first time around. So, but out of his love for me, he created situations where I could learn. I suffered, but I learned. Yeah. And so the nice thing is that when we hear other stories, we can reflect on ourselves and, and see how we can change without necessarily suffering as much. So in the future podcasts, I'll, I'll maybe speak about some of these suffering moments. Well, let's call it moments of grace, where we learn some, some hard truths about reality that we might not um, understand if we we're just told. We had to experience it. So with that, uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and hope to see you in future podcasts where I share a few other stories about the spiritual path. Much love.